right, all right, all right. Welcome to Living in the Past, where two middle-aged dudes relive their past by enjoying the pop culture of their youth. Devin, are you ready to revisit the one and only 1986 film Highlander? And are you feeling a little immortal today? Jeremy, let me tell you about mortality. <laughs> I, uh, as, as, a, as a Mother's Day gift for my wife, my bride of... 16 or 17 years. She said she discovered this new massage place in uh, the town where we live in. And um, she said that, you know, she wanted to go there for Mother's Day. Oh, okay. So I thought, okay. And, you know, she she made the reservations, Jeremy, and she she got the, the room for two. Yeah, yeah. I'm not opposed to massages, Jeremy. Yeah, I am. Uh, well, that's an, well, I want to come back to that. Okay. But there's some PTSD going on there, I can tell. But we get there. And we get in the room, we we disrobe, uh-huh. which is okay because we've seen each other naked. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's been a while because we're married, but anyway. Um, <laughs> but but uh, I, like I, I've gotten I've gotten yeah. massages at different places, like oh. shishi spas, spas mm. out of the country. Mm-hmm. Everything like has been more or less <laughs> the same methods, Jeremy. Right, right, right. right what right. I wasn't expecting as my Bare naked white ass was laying face up on on the 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 massage table is yeah. for the masseuse mm-hmm. who was probably about five foot two and maybe eighty five pounds soaking wet. Right, um, Jeremy, she she got on top of me. And wait, I, what? I, I, <laughs> wait a minute. What? I, I know that there's a method. <laughs> I'm going to have a heart attack. I know that there's a method of like walking on one's back. Right, right. That's not what happened here. Oh, God. Oh she God. went, started with the, the like my where my Achilles tendon is. Yeah. And walked from my Achilles tendon what? up the back of my legs, up my back. Yeah. All the way to my neck. On her knees, Jeremy. Wait, what? I have bruises. <laughs> were you in? Were you when screaming in pain? When she got to my kidneys, I just let out a. <laughs> and and I don't want to make fun of like the, uh, the the broken English that she gave, but it was it it, it was softer. <laughs> No shit. And then, but then, <laughs> and, uh, but, and, then and then she walked back no, down no, 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 with her no, knees, no, 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 no. and I, I, I kid you not, I've got bruises up the back of my rib cage yeah. because of the, so. I can't wait to talk about immortality <laughs> oh. on this episode because I, I didn't know if I was going to make it out of the. Jasmine Lotus Massage Parlor. What? Yes. On earth. Yeah. 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 I can't. See, mine, <laughs> mine is the whole, like, one, someone might push on something and I am i can't walk for a week. Like, okay. there's there's that. Yeah. Sure. Um, I, My back is so bad. Yeah. So there's that going on. But the second is the whole Pulp Fiction. Massages mean something in my, my, oh, psycho, my yeah. psychology. Got you. And so my wife, totally cool. Yeah. Everyone else, no, thank you. Interesting. Like that's that's how yeah. I you have am. like a Costanza moment. Like I think it moved. <laughs> yeah, I it think moved. It, yes, <laughs> I'm George Costanza. Oh wow. God, yeah, wow, yeah. Well, um, 
I don't need to recommend the Jasmine no, Lotus uh, yeah. salon to, to you. To anybody, since. really. <laughs> unless they want to die. Unless you want <laughs> pin-like knees being thrust into your body like oversized <sighs> acupuncture Ouch. tools. I was shocked. Wow. I was shocked. Wow. Yes. Yeah, you know, I yeah. I I just yeah, they're just too too personal for me. I just can't go there. Fair enough. I just can't go there. Fair enough. My wife doesn't understand it. My wife's like, "You're just crazy. You, yeah. need, you need a massage. You're so tense." Yeah. You're, and I'm like, "No, no, I'm not. I'm not doing it." Does all. she enjoy the massage? She'll oh yeah, she she, she goes yeah. to massages and yeah. all that stuff. I me no yeah. no no thank you. All right, well, I, I can't do it. We will send our wives to the Jasmine Lotus Salon <laughs> yes. and have people walk yes on their knees yes up their back yeah. Um, Devin, you know, immortality yes. is something that, besides Highlander, it's something yeah. that I've like, no, oh, what would it be like, you know, if if, sure. if if I don't die in the next five years, you know? <laughs> and, and Mortality and so, defined as six years and beyond. <laughs> you know, <laughs> immortality. If yeah. I could make it just a little bit longer. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's, this movie is so interesting mm. and it's, it came out in this time period in the eighties where there's a lot of fantasy science fiction right, films. Right. It, the story, the script is really interesting. I mean, the director is a guy named Russell McKay, who, who was a music video director. Yeah. So stylistically, there's some weird shots. It's interesting visually, blah, 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 blah. Right. Right. But the, you know, the screenwriter, Gregory Wyden, he, um, he wrote this script in film school at USC. Love. Sold it. Wow, made I think he made several hundred thousand dollars. That's off of it. you just got to quit like, while you're his ahead. His professor was just like, "Yes, you know, we did it." You know, but he, he does the hero's journey. Yeah, like right. Highlander's the hero's journey that we love from Star Wars that we right. love, and it just came out at this this time where like Willow's about to come out. Right. Like, there's all these like fantasy science fiction films that yep. are wrestling with the and dealing with the hero's journey. And Highlander's concept, I think, is one of my favorite fantasy Whoa. concepts. Wow. But it's concept. I don't know if they execute it mm. well. Yeah. And I love Highlander. I I I love it for its faults and I love it for it, the cool things in it. Yeah. Um, but for me, I watched that first Highlander, the sequels are terrible. <laughs> but then when I was in college, it was the TV show. And yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, Shout out to Jeffrey, Jonathan, Robert, Daniel, the whole gang. We would watch it every night mm. in syndication. Maybe we would just watch the theme song by Queen, <laughs> Princes of the Universe. Uh, or we would watch the show. But, like, we loved it. And I love the movie, but I love the show. What What is your relationship like with Highlander from back in the 80s, but all the way yeah. through your college years? I'm sure the I, show came on. Your yeah, radar. I would say I remember. Um, I don't believe I've seen any of the, the sequels. Yeah, I, I remember most, <laughs> I remember mostly the, uh, yeah, like either the late night reruns of the television right, show. Right. I think even the movie was on in like the early nineties on, I don't know, it was probably like right. TBS or TNT or FX or something that was on repeat quite a bit. Mm. So I, that, that is the extent of my Highlander universe yeah. knowledge or the original and then the, the TV series. Yeah. Yeah. And, for those of you listening, that you're like, well, I can't quite place Highlander. Like, what's the basic storyline? I mean, yes, we're dealing with immortality, but basically, it's this. The concept is kind of compelling. It's 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 a group of, and you don't know in the film just how many there are throughout history, but but immortals. And 
these immortals, and it never explains it. They have this, they're compelled to fight one another throughout time until there's just one left in the last one. And they can only kill each other. They can only kill each other. It's beheading that does it. Yeah. Um, And, you know, they get some sort of godlike gift at the end. The prize is what they call it. And you don't quite know what it is. And then it reveals a little bit about it at the end, but it's still a little vague at the same time. But that's the gist of the story. And you have the, the hero's journey, basically. You have... Connor McLeod, who's this Scottish Highlander who ends up um, being one of these immortals, and he gets he gets your typical like guide through things in Sean yeah. Connery's Ramirez. Uh, interesting casting choice, but <laughs> he was only he only did the, the the movie for one week, Connery, and made one million dollars. Uh, in 1986. In yeah. 1986. Not, they not were filming a, in 85. Yeah. Not, so this not is 85 dollars. Yeah. Return on your investment. One week. And in fact, if you watch the, we'll get, sit down and watch the movie and you can YouTube this. It starts out with this like red text mm-hmm. that's like, here's the story. You know, there was once, you know, it tells you immortals and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Sets the story up and it's Connery narrating. He recorded it after filming was done in his bathroom in his villa in Spain. <laughs> so and great. They were like, "Okay, let's let's do it." And what they did was they let the executives hear him over the phone, hear that over the phone. So it was sort of like yeah. muffled and all yeah. that stuff. And they they were like, "Okay, great," because Connery wasn't going to come back to do anything, right? Why would so he? So they were like, "Please do this over the phone." Yeah. And, you know, and so they were able to trick these studio execs. So Highlanders is unique. It has sword fights. It has bizarre behaviors of certain people. Yeah. Has a decent villain in the Kurgan, um, played by Clancy Brown. Um, Does the concept work for you? Is it interesting enough? Because some people hear it and they're like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Uh, But other people are like, that's really cool. Like that idea. Yeah. So it's by no means the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> True. We, uh, we teach high yeah, schoolers. Right, yes. Um, I No, I'm intrigued by it, right? Yeah. Like, I think, I think what's interesting about it is it could go the way of a lot of tropes, but I think it dodges tropiness the, just the, the, enough. Just enough, yeah. To, to have enough to go, okay. Right. I, I may have heard stories like this before. Right. It's familiar on some levels, but like, okay, let me grab some popcorn. I'm in. Yeah, vampire stories kind of deal right. with this idea. Like, what the interesting concept I think is: here are these people that are immortal, and right. they have to consider what it would be like. They can't have a family necessarily. In fact, they can't have children. Uh, but they can marry and, right. and have be in love with people and right. like you know so they they form attachments and and all that and you know there's this almost tragedy to all these immortals especially th- those that are left at the end of the movie. In fact, Wyden, the screenwriter, he said in an interview that the Kurgan who um, Clancy Brown plays him very over the top. You know, there's a scene in church where he's like, you know, just like yelling at like poor old ladies that are trying to pray in the church's story yeah. in the movie. And then he, he does, it's like better to burn out than fade away. And like, he spins around. And he's just like, so over the top. Well, Brown didn't really want to act it that way. Yeah. And he, he kept like going to Mulcahy and saying, I don't, 
That's not how I'm reading the Kurgan right. on the page. And in right. fact, he would complain to the screenwriter Wyden, who didn't write him that way. Uh, the Kurgan was much more tragic and almost like the only time he felt anything is if he killed somebody. Mm. But mm-hmm. he's just, he's the most ancient of all the immortals. Yeah. He is miserable. Yeah. And he just wants it to end. Sure. But no one can beat him. Right. And so there was this bizarre tragedy, but like numbness to the character. And Brown was really like gravitating to that character because of that. Right. He doesn't play him like that at all in the movie. It's mm. it's very comical and yeah. campy. Yeah. There are moments though with with um um the main character, Connor McLeod. Yeah. Um his name's I'm losing his name, the actor's yeah, yeah. name. But you know, there is he plays that tragedy better. Right. Like where it's a little more serious. Like he right. does fall in love. He does yeah. Christopher Lambert. Yeah. Uh, he does, you know, lose this love and he doesn't want to be in love again because of the pain that he felt watching his right. wife grow old and die. And he's the same when Highlander's working, it's dealing with that stuff. Mm-hmm. What, what are your thoughts? Do you think that's where it's at its best um, is dealing with this, Almost a problem of immortality. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, as I am on the downhill slope of life, Jeremy, <laughs> um, I think this becomes an even more intriguing right. thing. And I, mm. I think that, you know, we've talked so many times in the various movies that we have unpacked how we very often view characters in movies differently at this right. phase of our lives than we right. did when we originally saw them. And yeah, I think that yeah. this... This theme in this movie is, is very yeah. much the same way. I think seeing it as a young man, when you, in many ways, feel immortal as right. a 19-year-old, right? right. Um, I, I think that the the tragedy side of it was like, oh, I get that. But like, yeah. now I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Now I get that. And so I think that, though, that, that tragedy piece or the potential for tragedy with the loss of, of loved ones and things like that, really, like... It, it brings something of value to the overall plot that it's just right. not, it, it's not just an action movie now, right, or it's right, not right. just a, a, a high fantasy adventure movie. Now we, right. we have some very real among other themes, but like, that's one of the themes that I think really brings a nice perspective to this set of characters and, and their situation. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. And then of course, you know, you want this action. So you have the sword fights and you know, the movie starts off where, it was supposed to be a hockey match that they were at. And in the original screenplay, when the fight breaks out, yeah. one of the hockey players swings his stick and Connor is in the crowd and sees that. And he he's goes back to Scotland. Yeah. Yeah. The script is good. Like I actually thumbed through it, read probably of the 120 pages. I probably read about 40. Wow. Yeah. And just breeze through it real quick. Yeah. And it's like a decent script. Wow. And like, that triggers them, but the NHL said, no, thank you. So they did wrestling. So it starts off with wrestling and they try to make that connection. doesn't yeah. work, and, yeah. you know, but they end up having, which what's interesting is I have a 10th grader who yeah. vaguely knows the movie and he goes, yeah, doesn't it start off with a fight in a, in a parking garage? And like a lot of people, when they think of Highlander, they think of that very first yeah. sword fight yeah. uh, in the parking garage and I don't know why. I mean, because there's so many other like big set pieces and action right. scenes, um, but a lot of people remember that. And I'm like, okay, but <laughs> but what I love about the beginning of Highlander is yeah. you don't when you see it the first time you don't quite know what's going well, on. Well, and so let me ask this because you brought up kind of the 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 
backstory and context that we get with narration and yeah. stuff. Does that take away? Is is mm. the film potentially more when we don't have that and we're just kind of thrown yeah. in and we're going like, what is going on? Yeah, because you know you have that like the he's in the crowd, sees a sporting event, right? Flashes back to Scotland's the same dude. And you're like, wait, what is this guy? Right. You know, right. And then it flashes back and he goes in the parking lot. Right. So it's very confusing. You know, they're remaking it. And I know that it has been in production. And yeah. so, um, just recently, um, Henry, uh, Cavill who played Superman dropped out. Okay. And I think it's because he has a project with Amazon going on, um, Warhammer. Okay. <clears throat> and so he couldn't commit to doing Highlander. So the word on the street is that Chris Hemsworth, who plays oh, Thor, is yeah. going to play Connor McCloud. Okay. And okay. so they're moving that direction. And now I, with that name, I don't know if they'll call him that, if yeah. he'll be Scott. I have no idea. Um, but I think it's one of those movies, and you hate to say this because everything's an effing remake right now. <laughs> but it's it for me, Highlander is one of those films that I, I loved as a concept. I loved as a kid when yeah. I watched it. I would love to see someone do it right. It's like it could be something special. And I just feel like you're discombobulated with the beginning like you you were questioning. Right. And it's just like I think if you go at it again, really work on the story, yeah. have some compelling characters, make it a little bit more serious, uh, I think you got something that's really cool. Well, and so let me ask this then because, you know, a while ago we actually unpacked the – latest installment of the predator universe which yeah, is prey, prey yeah, yeah and they just kind of like they took some of the mythology right but largely like it was not an attempt in any way to remake anything or yeah. continue on a story right of anything that that came before it theater wise yeah should the same apply here do you think or do you think that they should hold to like the the same kind yeah. of ebb and flow of the predecessor you know that's the thing if they go for like a remake remake it's like okay um, but what if you introduced a ensemble cast mm. where you don't know who, like, obviously you have the Highlander character, right. but right. I mean, you could spin it a different way where you've these other characters that, and you're not quite sure who's going to be the yeah. one, you know, now that would be interesting. And, yeah. and you just play that out over right. a, a series of films. Like there's a cash cow just sitting there if it's done right, I right. think, you know, and so. Highlander, it's interesting. You know, you look at this this film, and the sequels are god-awful. And there's, like, you could do even a podcast on Highlander 2 because it's so, not just funny, but the production is so insane. And just, like, Sean Connery returns. And spoiler alert, he's beheaded in the original. And so, and it ends. Like, Highlander, the original film, there is an ending. Yeah. Like there's, how do you do a sequel? But yeah. they did a sequel. They did. Yeah. They did multiple ones. And, and so, and the TV show is funny because it's like, ah, well, he wasn't really the only one. There's others. And it's like, come on, you know? Naturally. So, um, but you know, Highlander is this, you have this story in place where you, if you zig instead of zag, I think you got something that really works. Yeah. And what exists in this 86 film is a decent structure of a story. If they do a remake, you might want to veer and go <laughs> go in a different direction. But if you're talking about just the 86 thing, there's some really, really good stuff. You have the parking garage fight. You have my least favorite character who in concept is interesting. Yeah. And it's this woman who is a 
criminal pathologist who's also into metallurgy and Naturally. of course and but she's sort of like going down this like the idea of like wait a minute this guy has been around wait yeah how old is he right. you know starting right. to put the like the detective story of right. it is really right. cool and yeah. then of course in the TV show for those of you that love the TV show you have the watchers that yes. are documenting all they're aware of these immortals and they're documenting, but they're not interfering. Yeah. And, and that's a cool concept that yeah. the show brought in. So there's great stuff here. I think what people might remember the most is yeah, that parking garage scene, but they remember Sean Connery. Or naturally, to <laughs> you know, I'll take the rapist for 400. To <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He is so. Like Clancy Brown's over the top, yeah. but Connery is just like sweating just over the top bullets of acting. Um, did did you like his performance just being so over the top, or were you just kind of like, give me a break? He wins the Academy Award the next year for The Untouchables. <laughs> like, this is insane. I, I mean, it's Sean Connery. It is. It's That's Sean the problem. Connery. It's the problem. I I, 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 can't push back at all against Sean Connery. He can do yeah. whatever he wants to, Jeremy. Yeah, yeah. And I'll watch it. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean, it's funny that like, in in one way, you have to look at like the dichotomy of his character here, and then his yeah. dichotomy of of the character the following year in The Untouchables. Yeah. And go like, is this the same person? Yeah. What's going on? Here? Um, but I. Like it seems based on the backstory and context you've already shared on, on this episode is like he saw easy money and, <laughs> and he's just like, whatever, I'm in this yeah. for a week. Yeah. And one I'm, just, I'm just like, one week. I, I have like, he, he knew he wasn't going to get nominated. I'm sure for this particular yeah. role in this particular film. So I, it's great. It's yeah. great. And he doesn't phone it in. Yeah. Like, no. like there's like even a scene where he's telling Connor, you know, and, and he dies with like, the Kurgan kills Ramirez, Sean Connery's character, way back in the past. Yeah. This is back in the probably the 1400s, yeah. late, late 1300s. Um, but there's a scene where he's trying to convince Connor McLeod, like, hey, like, you need to leave this woman. It, it's going to just be like that acting was fine. Yeah. I mean, he's so yeah. over the top. And there's, yeah. if you watch, of course, with Blu rays and 4Ks, I watched it on 4K and I was howling with laughter because. They use stunt doubles so much. And there's these ridiculous scenes where they're training. Like the Beastmaster did this too. Like, yeah. I'm going to climb this mountain that I could fall off and die from, but yeah. I'm going to swing a sword around. And, of course, these two immortals are up on a mountain. Right. So, right. And they're total stunt guys. <laughs> like, it, the camera is sort of doing this. I think they, they must have put the camera on some type of wire and did this kind of, like, pan shot around these okay. two guys yeah. swinging. And <laughs> it's like... That's not them. There's a there's a scene where they jump into a pool of water. That's not them. There are more immortals. <laughs> yeah, there's there's two other guys who look just like them. Um, so it's hilarious to see all that. But but Connery in general is good, and and there's some story like question marks uh, for those of you that are recalling the movie and and or might you might go back and 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 watch it because of this amazing podcast. Like one of the things that that that. I still can't figure out, and I, I, I made a YouTube video, and I, I, I asked in the video, like, let me know what I'm missing. 
But when Ramirez dies, Connor McLeod isn't around. And there's this, it's a really great set piece where, I, you know, you remember they go up the stairs of the yeah. castle yeah. and they're fighting and, and uh, Ramirez almost cuts the Kurgan's head off, right. uh, cuts his neck open, but doesn't quite decapitate him. And, um, but you're, ne- there's no explanation why Connor McLeod's not there. Yeah. He's just gone. He's gone. Like on yeah. a training mission. Like what is he? <laughs> What's he doing? Yeah. You know, and so it's weird that the the movie is like that at times, where there's just gaps in logic, gaps right. in explanations, right. and you're just like, okay, I'm just along for the ride. <laughs> you know, chop someone's head off, yes. you know. So, I like there's though those types of weird things, but I think Connery's kind of the highlight for me at least. Yeah, of just just because it's so him and the Kurgan. Yeah, I, I'm not that impressed with Christopher Lambert, yeah. who hardly knew English. Right. No one knows it. Like, no, like a guy just sitting at home doesn't realize that. Like, right. they hired him. He had made a movie called Greystoke: The Legend yes. of Tarzan. Yes, he hardly spoke in that. Yeah. I, I think he did not know the English language. Amazing, and he just memorized English lines. Wow, and slowly was working with a tutor yeah. to like learn as much English as. Of course, later he learns yeah. English, but like in the filming of this movie, he hardly could speak English. That is. Today I learned. That's great. <laughs> and and, uh, and what's hilarious is he and Connery get along great. Like on set, they yeah. like love each, like they just love being around each other so much so that Christopher Lambert says, "Hey, if we're making a sequel, I want to pay Connery another mill, and we'll we'll figure out a way to bring him back." And like it is terrible, so terrible, great, so great, it's terrible. It's called the quickening, the quickening piece of shit. I mean, it is <laughs> terrible. Um. You you keep doing these flashbacks in the yep. film back to Scotland, back to the um, the present day of 1986, yeah. and then you you get what's called the gathering. Mm-hmm. There is multiple immortals coming to New York City naturally to fight it out. Yep. And I want to talk about Clancy Brown for just a little bit as the Kurgan. Let's do it. You know he is he's the big bad. He's the heavy. His introduction's incredible. If you think back, like he's there's lightning in the sky and he's on his horse and he's wearing some sort of like dog, yeah, or like beast, almost like a lion helmet. It's yeah. hard to tell yeah. what it yeah. is, but some sort of skull is over his head. Yeah, and uh, just a great entrance. He tries to kill Connor, he fails. He then comes and kills Ramirez. There are things he does in the film that are great. A lot of people might remember where he is in New York City and gets a hotel room. And he gets his sword out and he puts it together and he's spinning it around in his arms and yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, and like practicing yeah, and like yeah. and it's just like oh that's kind of cool. Kurgan's kind of a cool bad guy. And the problem I find with Clancy Brown is he's so great and over the top like Connery. Yeah, that he um, I think he tries to oversell stuff and it just like you just it's very entertaining, but it just takes you out of the movie. Sure. He, he, he loses being so sinister. Yeah. And I, I love Clancy Brown. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah. him and everything he does. Shawshank Redemption, The Mandalorian. Yes. Like, he's done so many cool things. But um, did he work for you as a villain, the Kurgan? I mean, this is before I really knew who Clancy Brown right, was. Right, right. Um, I think he worked within the framework of a mid-1980s. <laughs> Yeah. High yeah. fantasy adventure. Right. Yeah. Right, I mean, right. right. Like we get over the top performances in Conan movies in Beastmaster, and in, in so many yes. of this genre throughout yes. this decade. Right. Yes. And so I think it just kind of like 
played along with right. what I was already used to. So it didn't take me out, I think, because again, I didn't know who Clancy Brown was. And it was like, oh, that's a lot like some of the other villains yeah. I'm, I'm used to when it comes yeah. to dudes on horseback trying to slay one another. Yeah, yeah. He was so into his role of being over the top that when he confronts Ramirez, um, his first thing he does is he jumps up and takes his sword, splits the dinner table in two. Well, in an earlier take, he comes in, you know, kind of guns blazing and yeah. swings his sword and hits a, um, like kind of a candle stand and the blade almost decapitated Sean Connery. Whoa. It, it, he missed him by maybe six to eight inches. Wow. Like, just like Connery storms off the set, just going crazy. And, uh, finally everyone calms down. Connery comes back in and Clancy Brown's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And, and Connery's like, you should think about using your stun double more often. And that's all he said. They just so kept on. Great. They just kept on so with the seat. He was like, I was, I was going for it. And I almost <laughs> chopped off Sean Connery's head. <laughs> there, there could be only one wow. chop. And now there is. Yeah. So wow. like, so, you know, the Kurgan's fun. I, I agree with Clancy Brown himself who said, I wish they stuck more to the script sure. version of them. I totally get that. But the director was like, McKay, was like, no, you, I want you to do this. Like there's a scene where he kills um, one of the immortals in New York city. There's a, like kind of a Rambo kind of like total, like gun toting. Yeah. He has like a Mac 10 or something. Yeah. yeah. He, he stabs that dude and then like gets into a car with an old lady and he hops in and he's like, he looks at her and goes, mom. And like, they drive off. It's like, <laughs> what, what am I watching? Cause just a minute ago, he impaled a guy. It's just the tonal shifts are, are too much for me. But the thing that, that gets under my skin the most about Highlander in a good way, bad way, whatever you want to call it, is the 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 love interest in the modern setting. Mm. This is the woman that um and again, women in the eighties, like sadly, are not given good roles. Sure. Like it's it's you know, rare to find an excellent role for a female actress compared to what else is out there. Right. Um, men get by far the more interesting roles and, and that's changed obviously, but it, it can still change, but she's terrible. Mm. Like the character's terrible. You have this metal urges, <laughs> like criminal pathologist that ends up falling in love with this guy yeah. who is completely unhinged saying he's an immortal and just, it's like she falls. It's like, what are you doing? Like the decisions she makes throughout the movie make no sense to me. Well, I've dated a few of those. <laughs> the Just, I'll take it back. I'll take it back. It's, it's sort of realistic. <laughs> <laughs> those metal are my lived experience. Jeremy. <laughs> That's Gregory wide was in college at the time. I'm sure he probably met someone that, yes. you know, yes. Was a pathologist, metallurgist that <laughs> made horrible decisions. Yeah, she's, she's, um, it's funny. She screams a ton at the end when she's like the Kurgan has her and everything. And then the same thing, it's, it's, um, the love interest of, of, uh, the, the, um, Heather yeah. who, who plays Connor McLeod's wife in the earlier section of the movie yep. screams a lot too. And it's like, come on guys, like let's, let's work on this. And so I say all that because the Highlander is, 
is this 1986 film, and you said it earlier in the show. Yeah. It's fixed in 1986. It's right. one of, of one of the things, like one of the movies that we've done, it's it's more 80s than a lot of the movies yes. that we, a lot of the stuff yes. we've done has transcended the decade. Right. This is not transcending anything. <laughs> it's stuck in the 80s. And, and that's why I think so many people love it. Right. That's why I love it. But I think there's an opportunity to go beyond it. it I hope there's, <laughs> I hope it goes beyond it. But then again, that comes back to the question, though. So when you say beyond, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So what what does that look like? So we're just tightening right. up some of this, the characters and stuff. Yeah, or? I think you get rid of the camp. Okay, we need to talk about Queen here in a minute. But like, <laughs> we get rid of the camp. We we dial it down a little bit. Okay, get a little more serious. Okay, I think you take it in different directions to where it's un unsure who is going to be the one, and it, you could play this out over several films, but like, I, I just feel like there is story content in this that, that can, can go a long way. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm hopeful that that can happen, but listen, if they are like, F it, let's just go eighties camp. <laughs> let's Queen's still around. Like Adam Lambert um, is okay. the lead singer. Okay. I think All like, right. let's bring queen back out, do yeah. another. I, I Devin, I hate to say it. I think, I think the soundtrack's one of my favorite soundtracks. Whoa. Like, I, Princes of the Universe. I mean, the soundtrack is um, Who Wants to Live Forever. Wow. Like, you know, that song, I mean, it's just. Favorite movie soundtrack? Yeah, like rock sound, wow. like not like score. I mean, John Williams dominates the decade, but I'm talking like. Like, okay. Like rock music in wow. a score. Wow. Or okay. as part of the soundtrack, right. excuse me. Like right. in the 80s, it's one of my favorites. Wow. Were you a big Queen guy? You don't strike me as a Queen fan. I'm more of a Queen now than I ever have been, Jeremy. <laughs> oh, oh, my um, goodness. I, I, I was a late bloomer with Queen. Um, I enjoyed um, kind of the, the, the revival of We Will Rock You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I really didn't get into Queen until like when Wayne's World yeah, came out. It was kind of like yeah. the re-entry phase yeah, for me. Yeah, um, yeah. I'll tell you that um, I will give the soundtrack a listen. It's it's surprising. It's on. Yeah. I have YouTube, uh, whatever Prime or whatever the hell it's called. It's some special thing. Premium YouTube sure. Premium. Sure. But I get the YouTube music, so I, I I've been listening to the uh, soundtrack, and uh, I love it. I but I'm like a loser, so maybe that's what it is. But I I just think and what's interesting, Queen was only supposed to do one song. Yeah, and they watched the film, and they they were like, okay, we'll watch the film, and then we'll come up with a song for the film. Yeah, and Freddie Mercury was so taken with it that he's like, you know what, I think I'm gonna write another song, and you know what, I'm gonna write two more. <laughs> and Brian May wrote one, and then like, so they all yeah. ended up contributing, and they just yeah. were like. Here you go, wow. and they they wrote the soundtrack yeah. basically, and and so every song in it, one of the songs they didn't like too much, but like most everything they did, they as a band they were like right. proud of what they did, yeah. and and I there think I like Princes of the Universe is just rock anthem hilarious, like it's just fun eighties, but Who Wants to Live Forever is a legitimately good like rock ballad. So Princes of the Universe versus. The other Queen song, Flash. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's you, hard. It's really? Hard. Is it hard for you to... to, to I think... Really? I oh. think I'm sticking with Prince of the Universe. 
I think so. I think you have to. I think that that plays a little bit beyond like Highlander, whereas Flash pretty much <laughs> plays to the movie Flash. <laughs> Gordon, that's about it. That was fun too. I mean, um, it, it had some hooks. It, it, it's fun. And Queen, I, I love Queen for the fact that they just didn't care. They just did what they were interested in. Rightly and, so. And God bless them for that. Uh, when you think about the movie Highlander, what to you was the thing that stood out the most? Like a scene, I mean, this is there could be yeah. only one. Yeah. Our version. I think I have it. Let me see if I even remember where it is on our sab or this could go bad. Oh, let nice. me see. Nicely done, Jeremy. Thank you. I found the the right button. All right. So, like, when you think back, like, what's the best thing about about this movie? Best moment scene? Yeah, I I think I'm going to have to go with, um, I think if I could pull this off in, in today's world, I would probably do it, but I can't. And, and that would be the, the kilt, Jeremy. I oh, think, wow. I, there I you go. I, I had a student once um, that would frequently wear a kilt to school. Awesome. Good for him. Um, was he Scottish? Um, I, <laughs> he wanted to be. Don, Donnell's son. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard no. Um, but, uh, I, I, no, listen, I, I think that. This film, if I'm having to pick like one thing, I, I think I'll just go back to like the top of the show we talked yeah. about, just the the, the concept, yeah. right? The, the great concept. The concept yeah. that we get, it's it's intriguing enough, it's different enough, right? That it doesn't feel like it's just a rehashed storyline yeah. that we're putting new actors in, right? Yeah, I think for me, I I would, when it comes to the story, the filming, all that stuff, I would probably say the last fight. They're mm-hmm. at a uh, mm-hmm. film studio in New York. They fall through the ceiling, land on the floor, and it's this great backlit. They're in silhouette, blue light background, um, decent choreography, and there wasn't a lot. I mean, really, Phantom Menace changes sword fighting choreography. Yeah. Like, you start to see it in, in everything. And, right. and, of course, Asian cinema was doing some of that. But, like, if you're talking strictly, like, Western American right. cinema, Phantom Menace changes the game. Yeah. And that's way down the road, you know, like, 13 years later. Right. So, with that said, the sword fight at the end of Highlander is great. Yeah. Like, I, I, I loved that. I think, for me, it's similar. It's, it's concept. I think it's, it is, um, the story arc of Connor McLeod, like this guy that's like, um, trying to figure out who he is. It's the hero's journey. I, that's my favorite thing about it. It's just like, wait, I, I'm immortal. Like, and there's a scene where he's Connery throws him, Ramirez throws him in the water. They're on a boat and he like sinks to the bottom and can't swim. And so he drowns, but then he realizes he's immortal and he's just laughing underwater. Like this is ridiculous. And you know, he, he, that the dawning of what he is, I love that kind of stuff. Like I I am immortal. What does that mean? This is exciting. But then the tragedy comes that storyline I think is really cool. And like, you could play it up a little bit more in a modern retelling, but I think that's the heart of it. And you were, you're kind of saying the same thing, like it's concept, you know? So if, if, and let's not say that you're immortal, but let's say that you, you get one do over. Yeah. What, how would you want to, to die? Even though you know that that wouldn't be your actual death. Like Mm. give me, give me the one Mm. way you'd be like, I want to see what it would like to to die this way. Even though, you know, you you get a, a mulligan. Man, that is hard. Um, 
It would be something that absolutely terrifies me now, probably. Really? So it would be like like a skydiving thing yeah. or like base jumping or yeah. Yeah. like something just like insane adrenaline and yeah. I don't make it. You know, I'm in a wingsuit and slap into the side of a mountain. <laughs> you know, something like that would be would be what about you like that's how i would probably want to yeah i mean that sounds pretty epic i'm not gonna lie um (laughs) yeah i mean something along those lines i have a a such a huge huge fear of sharks oh okay there's part of me (laughs) that kind of wants to just like work through that fear yeah 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 um that could be a way um yeah but it would it would have to definitely be something epic yeah yeah. Like really go out like totally. You know, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah Not going to yeah. do like what Elvis did. Yeah. I was but. thinking like racing, like race yeah. car driving going like, but I'm like, no, nah, let me jump, or, or jump I would out. say maybe just like being locked in a bakery. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, like, just go out, just go, just yeah. have like my heart explode. Yeah. From the cholesterol. There you go. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. So in Highlander, yeah. Um, as we wrap it up, um, on the YouTube side of things, we have a short video coming out called the, it's called the top 10 weapons mm. of the 1980s, Oh, uh, 1980s movies. And, uh, so it's not a nuclear warhead. Mm. Um, but it's like things from film. And of course, one of the most iconic things is Connor McLeod's like, um, you know, a sword that he right. takes from Ramirez. It's this Japanese made kind of like yeah. samurai sword. Yeah. And, um, that's pretty iconic. It didn't make the list though. Um, Whoa. it didn't make the list, but I'm curious as we, as we kind of think about eighties weapons, eighties movies, weapons, is there any, and I'll tell you if it made the list, is there, is there any that jumps out, out to you that you're like, yeah, that's, that's one of the best weapons of eighties movies. Um, I'll, I'll give you two. Oh, I'll tell you if they're on. One from a film that we've done and one from a film that we haven't okay. done. Okay. Robocop. That's on the list. Hell yeah, yeah it yeah, is. Yeah, the Auto 9 from nice. Robocop. Yep. Um, Give me Blue Thunder. Oh, the helicopter. That is great. Yes. That's that, not on the what? list. But, but that's rigged. What? Here, I'll go ahead and reveal oh the Oh, my gosh. Just for our listeners. I'm not even a Patreon. <laughs> Here's the list. Number 10. Okay. The Auto 9 from Robocop. Yeah. Made it. Um, The Atlantis sword in Conan the Barbarian. And, you know, the big sword that he has from Conan. Yeah. A thermal detonator from Return of the Jedi. Okay. Um, Not the Death Star itself, but the little hand. The little thermal detonator. Got you. Yep. Uh, Indiana Jones's whip. Oh. That's one of them. The M134 minigun, also called Old Painless. Sure. From Predator. Sure. Freddy Krueger's glove. Okay. From Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. The Ghostbusters proton pack. Wow. Okay. All right. right. (laughs) Here's where it's going to get pretty obscure. The glaive from Kroll. Do you remember? It was this like multi-pointed knight and he threw it and come back to him. Yeah. Stupid movie. I'm doing a video on this movie. Stupid movie, but freaking awesome weapon. Number two, pulse rifles from aliens. Okay. And number one, and I, I need to get, I'll give a clarifying statement after I say this. Number one is the identity disc from Tron. Okay. Now, the reason why the, the lightsaber is number one, 
of all time. Sure. All time weapon number time. one. Sure. But it can, it was originally introduced in 1977. Sure. So it didn't make it as an 80s original Got weapon. You. But those yeah. are those are the weapons. I didn't think about Blue Thunder. That is an incredible choice. I might even put that as. I need to think about it. Wow. Blue. I'm typing it now, Devin. Thank Blue you. Thunder. Yep. 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 Question mark exclamation word. Question mark exclamation word. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good list. Well, thank you, man. Yeah, I, I really worked on that's that. That's a good list. I, I really mean, worked on it. For an AI generated list. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> no chat GPT for me, man. It was all the human brain. Um, if you could pick one of those to be um Ooh. like a master at. Ooh. So the Auto Nine. The sword from Conan, thermal detonator. Wait, but what are the repercussions like if, if I use them though? I just like, like let's just say it's in your fantasy world in your brain. Like you can just use it. So like on students, of course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> a whip, <laughs> a minigun, Freddy mm. Krueger's glove, the Ghostbusters proton pack. I don't think that kills you, does it? It just kind of grabs hold of you. Ghost, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Pulse rifles, um, the glaive, and then the identity disc from Tron. I mean, I just I love the Tron video game discs too, of Tron man. so much yeah. that it's hard to go away from. Tron was just such a That's aggressive, awesome, awesome movie. Yeah. Um, it would probably have to be that. Although, like, there are definitely some days that I wouldn't mind just kind of. Fitting into the RoboCop, being in the Robo Teacher, and just 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 mm-hmm. un- or, or painless from Predator, just yeah. just unload. Yeah, just let like decimate yes. everybody. Just yeah, be take fun. it out. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. Everybody would respect you immediately. Well, they'd be dead if they didn't. So. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of Living in the Past. Check. Take a look at our. YouTube channel. We have new stuff coming out. We just had a video on Highlander and we have lots of other stuff. One of our videos, Pell Rider is going kind of wild. What is it, Devin? You, it seems like you want to say something. So I just typed into our friend chat GPT. Yeah. What are the top 10 movie weapons from the 1980s? Do you, want to, do you want to know chat GPT? Yeah, list? let's do it. Okay. All right. All right. So this is, this is okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, number 10. Yeah. Predator's wrist blades. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a good um, one. Oh, that's a real good one. So this one cheats a little bit, but number nine is the Infinity Gauntlet, which was first yeah. introduced in the comics in the 1980s. Got it. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number eight, the Batarang. Oh, um, yeah. Tim Burton, Batman. Yeah. Yep. Uh, number seven, the Pulse Rifle from Terminator. From Aliens? Uh, it says Terminator on oh, here. Oh, Pulse yeah. Rifle from Terminator. Interesting. Yeah. Well, there is yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. Um, Samurai Sword from Highlander is number okay. six. Okay. Here's interesting. Um, number five is the Smith & Wesson Model 29 from Dirty Harry. Yeah. Iconic yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, number four good. is Indiana Jones' Whip. Number three is Aliens Pulse Rifle. Number two, the Proton Pack. Mm. And number one that you've already clarified is the lightsaber. Whoa. So, Jeremy, I mean, Whoa. you, in my opinion, outsmarted artificial intelligence. That's what I'm here for, Devin. Real people for the win, Jeremy. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Hey, as always, thanks so much for listening. Keep an eye out on all the content we got coming, and, and we'll talk to you soon.